At $200, a Super Nintendo setup costs twice as much as the old system. For the money, the company promises better pictures, sound, and adventure. Now you're playing with power, superpower. You're the king, I tell you! You're king! Only for Super NES. Listening to the SNES podcast with your host, Soul Blazer. Hello, everybody. This is Super NES Podcast, episode number 199, coming at you this time. Uh, this is, uh, so we are, as usual, your uh, hosts. I'm Greg. He's Joe. Hi. And we're covering a game this time that was Joe's pick. Um, one of the more classic, well, originally classic, maybe nowadays not so much. But we'll get into it, but definitely one of the more like fondly remembered, at least, uh, JRPG titles for the Super NES. Uh, the original Breath of Fire. Uh, we covered Breath of Fire 2 with George way back in the early days of the podcast. I think it was like episode like five or something like that. So, um, but we never actually covered the original game. So, we're going to take care of that here, like right now. So, um, anyway, uh, so before we get into the game, I, um, I do want to make a quick announcement because this may affect some of you. Um, we have recently changed hosting services. Uh, the last episode, the bonus episode that was released uh, recently, uh, was the first episode to be up on the new hosting service. We're now over on Pinecast, uh, because GeekAid, uh, the network that we're part of, is now uh, um, uh, uh, now trying to consolidate all their like other podcasts, uh, podcasts look over to Pinecast, so it's all like one place. Um, and they pay for hosting, so you know that's a win-win situation as far as I'm concerned. So... Uh, I mentioned this here because to be, be I mentioned this here because the RSS feed should automatically be carrying forward. I'm not aware of any problems. If anybody had any problems with the feed or whatnot, please let me know. You can either find us on Facebook or you can send me an email directly. Uh, I'll give the email toward the end of the podcast. Um, you you can still use Lipson, Lipson if you want to for right now. I paid for Lipson hosting for one more month, so as of the end of November, uh, December first, Lipson is going to be going dark. Um, so just remember to have all your um, uh, to have your feeds and everything over um, uh, uh, carried over. Uh, the new website for the podcast is going to be uh, um, like going to be uh, the Super NES Podcast with dashes dot pinecast dot dot co. Uh, and we uh, and I then uh, I also have, like post additional official links in the Facebook group uh, so people there are, like are aware of this as well too. But if you just do a search for Super NES Podcast and your RSS feeds and whatnot, it should come up. So. Like I said, as far as I know, everything's being carried forward automatically. I'm just uh, I'm just mentioning this here as public public service announcement to make sure to make sure nobody got caught. Um, but when we discontinue Lipson uh, toward the end of the month, so with the podcast business business out of the way, um, Joe, what made you decide to want to cover this game? Uh, so my Breath of Fire experience is basically three and four for the PlayStation, and um, I came into Breath of Fire after. Final Fantasy VII, um, so that kind of, you know, tints my uh, opinion a little bit and whatnot of the uh, franchise and what I played. Um, that being said, uh, I am a turn-based RPG guy. Um, I have <laughs> a big issue with action RPGs. Like, I just can't get into them as much as I do turn-based. Um, <clears throat> so, like, you know, I'd been playing Dragon Quest One and Two. Um, within the past like six months and it's just like one of those things where like I'm in 
turn-based RPG mode, and I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to play an RPG and it's going to be for the podcast, like, I might as well go to the beginning of the franchise that I enjoyed um, and start there. So that's why I suggested Breath of Fire. And, you know, this podcast is for me to enjoy, you know, games that I haven't played yet. So this is another game where I just, I have never touched this. I never even thought of going back to play it because um, 3 is a a very good game. 4, I didn't realize, is part of the formula, as in, like, all these games are pretty much almost carbon copies of each other with slight story changes. Um, So that, that was you know, interesting. And I only realized that playing this game. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly true. Like we'll get into this, uh, like a little bit here. Yeah. Um, so, so have you played Breath of Fire 2, uh, like at all yet? I have not. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my experience, with the series is like, you know, um, because it has been so many years since we covered Breath of Fire 2. Uh, I will, um, you know, I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that I will repeat myself a little bit here, but, um, I played Breath of Fire 1 and 2, both when they came out, where we'd like both games, uh, Breath of Fire One and Two are the only games the series that connected to, um, uh, uh, like the only games the series that connected story wise. Breath of Fire Two is a direct sequel to Breath of Fire. Mm. Um, the rest of the games in the Breath of Fire franchise kind of do the Final Fantasy formula, where it's like there are elements taken over from game to game, but they're not the same. So right. uh, you know, there's no connection in story and story after that, and uh, uh, on story and story after that point. Um, spoiler: I like Breath of Fire. I think Breath of Fire Two is a better game. Breath of Fire 2 may be my favorite in the series, although Breath of Fire 3 is also very, very, very good. I also played Breath of, uh, I also played that one like it was new. Um, Breath of Fire 4 is fine. It, um, you know, it's a passable game, I think. It's not my favorite in the series, but, um, you know, but, um, you know, but plays like, okay. So, um, all these games came out in the 90s. Uh, well, Breath of Fire 4 came out in 2000. Um, but, uh, then you also had Breath of Fire 5, Dragon Quarter, which was, um, which is only available on the PS2, and I've never played that one, so I can't really tell you like how that one is. I wouldn't even um, call that Breath of Fire Five. Um, so they specifically left the number off of that game, and I think it's because well, of the in fact- North America they did. In Japan, it was called Breath of Fire Five. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I, I'll tell you, like I feel like they purposely left it off because they went in a different direction. They did. Yes, uh, uh, I, I everything did see that. is kind of overhauled there, and I, I I did not like that experience. That's. Um, one of those things where it's like, I wish that Capcom would kind of at least remaster maybe the first four and put them out in a collection. Mm, um, yeah. so this way, you know, people can experience those games and maybe use it as a launching platform to maybe produce a real fifth game, um, without, <laughs> you know, again, action RPG, there are action RPG elements. So it's just yeah. doesn't sit well with me. And I understand that's the trend also for today. Like, as far as, like, today's RPGs, a lot of them are action platforms, uh, action platforms, jeez, action RPGs. Um, I'm even having a hard time getting through Dragon Quest Eleven because, or nine or whatever the heck it is for the Switch, um, because it's got some turn-based elements, but it's, ma- it's majority, it's an action RPG, and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have quite that problem that you do. Um, I love action RPGs, too, but I do agree there's something there, uh, um, I mean, there's something definitely nostalgic and therapeutic about like turn-based RPGs. Mm. So um, there are some, yeah, there are some of those still being made. Dragon Quest XI was mostly turn-based. Um, I think some of the Persona games are turn-based. I haven't really, like, uh, you know, I haven't really spent any time with them. Um, so I can't tell you about Persona Four or Five. That's not my, 
those are my those are my ever growing need to play list. Um, yeah, I, I've heard of those points. games and I've seen gameplay. Um, and every review I've seen is, oh, the story is fantastic and deep. And whenever I think of story is fantastic and deep, it means I'm going to be sitting through a lot of dialogue, which isn't necessarily a bad. They're thing, long games, I, but I have to so. mentally prepare myself yeah. to sit through, you know, large bunches of dialogue. Yes, they're long <laughs> games. The music, the music in those games is also excellent. It's yeah. excellent. I have heard, um, um, I have heard a good part of the soundtrack. It's great music too. So, um, but anyway. So um, yeah, um, yeah. Capcom just decided after that, uh, um, um, after that, to pretty much give up on the Breath of Fire franchise, which is like I'm not sure why. Just like I, I just, it, I'm the Breath of Fire series was always popular, but popular, but I guess never got the same levels of success that did to say, um, say like you know, Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. So they decided to turn their energy to, to turn their energy toward other things. So because Capcom's mostly Capcom's mostly known these days either, um, either for the Street Fighter or Resident Evil franchises. So. And that's been a bread and butter for like a while now. So yeah, um, and, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, you know, when we get into the development of this game and backstory. But like, I did not know this was the first and pretty much only RPG that Capcom ever did. So I just think that you know, by the time you know three and four came out, and maybe even that horrible five, um, they just realized that you know the the audience is there, but they're not fully committing because you still have, you know, Square Enix and Square Soft and, you know, or Enix, Enix and Square in the 90s. And then when they combine together to do their thing, uh, they're just a juggernaut now as far as RPGs go. And it's just like Capcom is known for their fighting games, their beat-em-ups. Yes. And yep. now Resident Evil, um, yes. you know, through the 90s and 2000s, like RPG is not something I associate with Capcom. Yeah. Um, so there's that. <laughs> I guess I can also say, yeah, so I guess, so I guess to be fair, I can also say Mega Man, because Mega Man 11 did, did come out recently, and um, did very well, so it is nice to see Capcom destined that franchise back off again, so, yeah. um, you know. But if that's you know, any, you know, inclination of the future, that means, uh, we won't see another Breath of Fire for at least 20 years. <laughs> probably, maybe, maybe, maybe not either, uh, ever, because, right. um, Capcom did dust the name off in um, um, 2016 to make a um, uh, 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 to make Breath of Fire 6 for Windows and for Windows and Android, but that was a Japanese free-to-play only uh, MMR or RPG, which only lasted about a year and a half. So, uh, you, yeah. like so, like so, like so, that's like that game's Breath of Fire name only, and it never got a Western release. So. Yeah. Uh, given that, I really don't think Breath of Fire is going to be around again. Uh, but I do agree with you, though. A collection would be nice. Yes. Um, the, uh, the game was re-released on the GBA a while a while ago, which we'll talk about here later on. I played that version of the game too, which is very good. Uh, there are some um, there are some differences, but um, but Breath of Fire is also available. Uh, um, uh, is also available on both the um, on both the um, uh, the virtual console. Uh, um, uh, but it's also available like on the Switch. Oh, uh, so okay. if you have the um, so if you have the Nintendo. Uh, uh, membership. You also get uh, Breath of Fire One, and I and I think Two is on there as well too. Uh, hmm. You know, uh, on your Switch. Uh, how'd you play the game this time around, Joe? Uh, Joe? Uh, to b believe it or not, I I have a Game Boy thing that has a Raspberry Pi in it, and that's mm -hmm. what I played it on. Um, just because you know the handheld portability, and I didn't even think to look at the Switch. And look at the Super <laughs> Nintendo lineup that was on there to see yeah, if it was there, even so. on there. <laughs> so that probably would have been a much better experience, in all in all honesty. But um, you know, I'm. But if you play the GBA version, that. that's an, 
yeah, but you play the GBA version, that's also an improvement too. But well, mostly an improvement. Um, like I said, like um, you, um, I mean, like we, uh, like we will, uh, uh, like we will get into it. And yes, I just confirmed yeah. Breath of Fire Two is available also on the virtual console and Switch okay. as well too. So, um, so anyway, so the original Breath of Fire was developed back in 1993 in Japan. It took over uh, and it took over a year for it to come out in the states. It, uh, states it didn't get much release until August, of, uh, uh, like August of '94. So, um, but uh, and the game and the game is a typical typical 2D uh, um, uh, um, a 2D top down game of time period. Um, you know, like most of the game is played from a overhead view. Uh, view. Combat done in a very nice kind of like. Uh, kind of like slanted 2D viewpoint. We're kind of like you know looking things at the side. It, it kind of reminds me about like um, uh, Super Mario RPG used the same perspective as far as his battles went. So uh, you, you know you have you characters on the, on the bottom, the enemy, the, um, uh, the enemies on the top. You can have four people. You can have four people in your party like they like one time. Um, you know you, you um, so you have to uh, so, so you, like, like so you have like a like so you have like a um, uh, magic spells, which are used for like you know like uh, um, action points, like how you like how you like, uh, um, how, like it is how like I I use that, you know, very typical RPG of the time period, um, you know, as far as that goes. The GBA version of the game came out in two thousand one, which has improvements, which we'll talk about here like later on, like I already said. So, um, the story of this game is typical, you know, typical nonsense kind of fantasy like RPG flair. I mean, don't get me wrong. As far as the, as far as the actual presentation, of the story, the characters, like it's very good, especially for its time period. Um, but just the stories, just the um, you know, the stories, uh, the story of the game has pretty typical, like you know, like um, you know, like um, you know, like you know, uh, you know, typical formulas of all the stuff you see in games like this like you know like you know you know persecuted people you know uh, uh prophesized hero evil force blah 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 you've heard all this before so um you know that said the characters in this game are pretty developed um you know for a game that came out um every game that came out like in the early 90s so um joe since you were since you're new to this franchise I, i'm curious to hear your perspectives as far as like um as far as like gameplay um what you like to didn't like about it all right. Well, first off, let's let's talk about the fact that the sister ca uh, casts a stone spell that pretty much freezes everybody in stone and gives the opportunity for her to be kidnapped and set up this entire story. Talk about a MacGuffin that, like, <laughs> like it literally just like exposition just shows up and goes, "Hey, check it out. We got an RPG." Um, so yep. that like that I, made like me like, kind of chuckle. <laughs> like I said, stereotypical elements, like elements are on play here. So. Yeah, it was just one of those. Like, I just kind of laughed because you know, um, having played three and four, there's a bit more story there. <laughs> than just that um and it kind of you know unfolds where this one was just like yeah you know she casts a spell everybody's frozen so you know bad guy can steal her it's all good um and then you're you're off you to be a hero um wow let me tell you for one this game's beautiful um i was actually really surprised at how uh clean and beautiful the graphics were especially for its time um that being said though Three things really stood out to me. One, I loved the day and night cycle um, and how they incorporated that. That's pretty cool. Um, the other thing was the encounter rate is ridiculous. It's and high. It's, so, oh, yep. my God. So, and clearly the, you know, programmers knew <laughs> that it was a little ridiculous because they do give you an auto 
battle option, which is nice. Um, but also like it's like every five steps that you're in a battle. I, it, it could be. I don't so think tedious. the counter rate is quite as high here as it is in Lufia, but it is pretty high. I thought that th- this was as bad as Lufia. That was actually mm. my reference. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I didn't think it was quite. Yeah, I, my experience with my experience like that it wasn't quite that egregious, but. And I also feel like they don't give you enough experience. I feel like it took forever to level up your character. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, like you know, so, so that was the third thing. So it's like the encounter rate on top of the fact that you get very little XP to be able to level up. It's for me, it was tedious. And um, this being, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this being that this being the first RPG for Capcom shows because it's be to be there are a lot of like. I don't want to say beginner mistakes, but there are a lot of like you know growing pains and whatnot that Capcom had to learn uh, to develop. That's why I think Breath of Fire Two is a better game overall because it because because those issues got fixed like in that game. So right, um, and, and and I completely understand where you're coming from. And Breath of Fire Two probably is a better game because they did learn from you know their mistakes with the first game. And uh, you know I'm not going to fault the game for that because like I said, it's beautiful. It's got that. Capcom music, like it fits the RPG so well. Um, I enjoyed every little bit of it. The um, one of the other big things for me that kind of uh bothered me was the fact that like you have to pretty much talk to everyone, which mm-hmm. you know is like any RPG, you got to go into different towns and whatnot. But the problem I found was one, NPCs repeat themselves with the same information. So it's like you're constantly seeing the same text and dialogue. And then some of the villages looked very much the same. Like it very felt do. sometimes yeah. it was very cut and paste. Again, this is their first RPG, obviously not in their their wheelhouse, you know what I mean? So I'm not faulting them for these things, but these are the things I noticed looking at this game 30 years later. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Other than that, I felt overall like this was a pretty good game, like especially being their first attempt. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the development of this game was mostly handled by Capcom veterans who worked in games like Ghosts and Goblins. Um, mm. You know, but they never, I mean, they never, uh, um, uh, I would, but obviously, like I said before, you know, none, none, none of these people had worked in RPGs before in the past. So I think yeah. that experience showed. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, for first game, this is very good. Because mm-hmm. um, Capcom said development, they wanted to copy Final Fantasy, and in many ways they did. In many ways, you know, they did copy Final Fantasy uh, like this. So, yeah. um, you know, think about Final Fantasy, they even hired uh, Ted Woosley, uh, who's best known uh, for having translated uh, Final Fantasy. Um, uh, several, um, several Final Fantasy games of the West, such as like you know Mystic Quest. Right. They even hired him to translate this game for the. Um, um, you know, like for Western release. Mm-hmm. So, so like based on that, the translation of the game is very good. Uh, I mean, like for time periods. So, um, and the DNA cycle, I thought was cool. Also, this wasn't the first game to do that. Dragon Quest three had already come out at this point, and that was the first right. game to do to, uh, to to do that. But yeah, many games this time period didn't do Dare Night cycles yet. So I do think having this game having already done that at this um, at this point was like pretty you know it's pretty good. So Capcom did learn from some of the things that people were doing successfully. There was just some you know. You know, there was just some growing pains of trying to get because, of course, obviously they wanted to make their own game. They it's, like it's okay to get, um, it was um, the, like it's okay to get inspired by a franchise, but you don't want to like you know make a copy, make a make a quick cut a, a copy of that game either. So right, right. because nobody would buy it. But so you know, for the most part, the formula worked. You know, the formula would be improved upon in the sequel, but you know, for like the, the 
ship, like I said, for first game and her first effort in this, um, her first effort, um, you know, they did a pretty good job, I thought, like, overall, so, um, Tecmo would have the same problems later on when they started coming out with the, um, um, oh, what's the name, uh, oh, man, what's the name of the franchise that they do, uh, uh, Tales, the first Tales game. Oh, okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so, but, uh. You know, I mean, like companies, companies, companies cannot make an RPG overnight. You know, uh, I mean, you know, they're yep. very, you know, like, um, you know, uh, uh, even, um, even more so today, and even and even true back then, they're very complicated, expensive, time-consuming, long pro projects. So, uh, you know, like there are some RPGs that took like three, four, maybe longer uh, years in development before it mm. came out. So, um, this one was not quite as bad as far as the growing pains went, but you know, but um, you know. But, you know, but they are there. So one of the reasons I uh, didn't get very far in this game, but I got, you know, I got to experience a good portion of it, was um, I didn't want to sit there looking at a strategy guide or a fact, uh, trying to figure out what I had to do and where I had to go. And um, that was one of the downfalls of this game, is I, I, I understand translations and things like of that nature, but it seemed to me... and you might know a little bit more than me on this, but it looks like there wasn't enough memory or something because the menu and your menu item management is so messy. And like, I had to look up almost every single item just to find out what it is because you highlight it and it would be like, this works in battle. Well, thanks. What the <laughs> hell does it do? <laughs> There's a reason the menu was redesigned. It's redesigned like the GBA port of this game because because I do agree 100. percent Yeah. So and and that's what I I saw the you know of course after I started playing it that the GBA port helped with the encounter rate and the menus was one of the things they fixed. So um, kudos to them for doing that. Um, and then you know some definitely improved. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, life improvements there we go quality yes. of life yep. improvements yep. um and i did like the i isometric uh viewpoint when you're battling yes. instead yep. of you know the either the first person or the the straight left and right that you would get from a traditional rpg it was very nice yes yep no i definitely agree with all that so um but uh yeah so uh uh, what's yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah, so we just mentioned the GBA version, like right now. Uh, like Joe said, the GBA part of the game mostly covered uh, um, uh, quality of life improvements. Um, the main things, so the main things they did that version of the game was that they, uh, the character, the character portraits, they were all like redrawn uh, to make um, uh, to give them like more of a breath of fire ish look, uh, and also to make them like you know higher quality. So, um, uh, the menu system was redesigned, as I already said, to to, to um, uh, to, to uh, I remember. Uh, like, like December Breath of Fire 2. Uh, they're updated graphic, um, uh, they're updated cutscene graphics at certain points, at certain points during the game. Uh, Capcom also added the ability to, uh, um, uh, to quick save, quick save the game, like, anywhere you wanted to. Ooh, um, nice. so, uh, they, uh, they also added a dash button, so you can, like, you know, like, fat, um, um, I dash through the game to, to improve the, to improve the slow walking speed. Um, and if you had the, um, and if you had somebody else who else had the, who else had this game, you, you could um, you could also use the GBA link cable to exchange items um, between the copies of the game as well using a trade feature. Oh, that's cool. So uh, the the only drawback, um, so the only drawback like the GBA version is uh, the version is of course the uh, the same the same drawbacks that all handheld ports of games suffer. The graphics, music suffered hit uh, somewhat. Yeah. 
uh, to make them fit onto the handheld system, but, you know, they're not bad. I mean, like, you know, overall, it's still, I think the GBA version of the game is probably, my personal suggestion for a newbie would be to start with the GBA version of the game. Um, you know, you know, if you want to, the original version of the game on the Switch or the virtual consoles, uh, console is is fine as well, too. But I think the quality of life improvements of the GBA version of the game made is, like, worth, like, um, uh, 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 tracking it down or um, <laughs> obtaining it through other means. So, um, but, yeah, so that's just, yeah, so that's just my personal thoughts on that. Um, so, you already mentioned the graphics, Joe. The graphics of this game are very good. I, um, you know, I agree with that. You know, like, you know, they're beautiful, they're beautiful, large, hand-drawn sprites. Um, you know, the enemies look good. The bosses, the bosses, you know, everything, you know, everything in the game is, like, detail. Um, there is some, there is some, there is some washing out of colors, uh, every now and then, especially in the towns. But I thought overall, yeah. uh, the graphic, um, the graphics of the game really are, like, very sharp. So, but Capcom, Capcom games this time period usually, uh, um, usually were like very graphically impressive. So I'm not surprised that they, you know, uh, I mean, um, this game also, this game also graphic looks very nice. Yeah. And and that's what I was going to mention when we, you know, actually zeroed in on the graphics. Like, yes, they are beautiful graphics, but also like Capcom at this time was killing it with, you know, Mega Man X and, um, even Uh, the the Super Street Fighter series, like, you know, like they had, um, an incredible grasp on the Super Nintendo and they definitely made some beautiful games. Um, Aladdin is another one that, you know, comes to mind as far as beautiful graphics. Oh yeah. It looks like the animated movie actually moving on your screen. Um, uh, yeah, I, so, I forgot to yeah. develop the Super NES port of that, so, but, yep, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, the, the music also is very good, like, it's a very good RPG-ish soundtrack, mm-hmm. so, uh, definitely one of the stronger, the stronger entries in the system, it's like, you know, this is soundtrack that you might actually, this, um, this is soundtrack you might actually, like, want to listen to, um, you know, like, offline, because of, uh, um, because music in this game is, like, very good. Agreed. So, um... What do you think about the controls overall? Do you have any problems uh, as far as like you know, like moving around or never, when we're navigating, be, or navigating, uh, you know, beyond the menu system, of course? Would you already? Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of the encounter rate, you know, the the game's responsive. I never had any issues. It wasn't like like I accidentally clicked something when I shouldn't have or anything like that. Um, yeah, I just you know, yeah. it's that encounter rate, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh the game also came with like three spots to save the battery, which is pretty good for games of the time period. So, yeah. um, um, so, um, so there are some puzzles puzzles in the game too to come across every now and then. Like every now and then, the puzzles the puzzles for the most part are like pretty easy. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I don't don't think the puzzles of the game are, are really all that challenging. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's I kind of breezed over those because they they're not challenging at all. Um, no, they're not. But. <laughs> It's kind of like um there I remember like there's this one puzzle aspect in uh Mystic Quest where like you have to find this pillar and you got to move it to like just the right spot um to be able to like make that connection so you can get over to like the next platform. And that that's kind of what some of these were. Like it was just, you know, it was in in your face easy. It wasn't like, "Oh, I got to look around and figure out what the hell's going on." It was all very much like right there for you <laughs> yes yep nope T- totally agree um so um yeah so uh and you also mentioned and you also mentioned mentioned this earlier joe the game can't the game can be kind of confusing as to where to go this is definitely typical of like early rpgs where it's like there are hints and clues as to where to go but uh, but you know like having having your having having either like tenno power or a strategy guide handy handy was definitely going to be helpful with like this game. Yeah. Uh, I definitely I definitely used uh, MP quite a bit back in the day to beat this game. So 
Um, I may even have called the game counselors once or twice. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't remember calling specifically about this game, but it's very possible I did. So, um, but, 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 but yes. Yeah, so nowadays, of course, you can do, nowadays, of course, like just go online and look. But right. you know, this was, you know, this was typical of a game where it's like you had to like talk to everybody in the town. Maybe, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, you know, maybe talk to them twice. Try to find out what's going to trigger trigger an event to, to like to proceed that kind of stuff so like you know i'm glad games move past that because it's like very aggravating uh, for sure so yeah there was really... one town where i felt i talked to everybody but like the story just was not progressing and come to find out there is a specific lady in that town that you have to talk to her not once not twice but three times and on the third time, after you've talked to everybody else and they've already repeated their dialogue, she finally says what she needs to say to be able to trigger the next story beat. And it's just like, ugh. Like, yeah. <laughs> things like yeah, that were just like, ugh. I, I, like, I, I don't miss <laughs> that part of turn based RPGs. <laughs> nope. I, def- I you know, definitely agree with you. So, um, what do you think about the overall difficulty of the game? Did you feel challenged at all? Or did you think that the. Um, you know, like because you mentioned, you didn't think the enemies gave you a lot of XP, but did you feel that the progression, the progression to the game was okay? Did you have to grind any? I mean, obviously, it's an RPG; you're gonna have to grind at some point. Um, but no, I, I don't think that. So, because of how I am with like turn-based RPGs, and I know there's gonna be some grinding. Um, the first like what I'd say hour and a half, two hours of a game is literally me just like walking around and like dealing with that encounter rate and just killing things and gaining experience. Um, I am the guy that will have a level 20 or 25 character before I move on to the next story beat Um, to not only make sure that I have enough health to be able to survive a boss battle if I make poor choices, but also so that uh, the difficulty of the game really doesn't show for me. Um, But yeah, I felt like once I grinded and I got, you know, towards that like 25 level mark like that was like i could pretty much breeze through the rest of the game it was just the encounter rate fighting me the entire way sure yep definitely for sure so uh no i thought this game was like relatively easy as far as like rpgs went it's like you know it wasn't you know it wasn't the easiest rpg i've played but i thought mm. um you know i thought that was um but um you know but i thought it's like oh for overall for overall difficulty uh you know uh, you know it wasn't bad this is you know if you can get over the high encounter rate, this is a pretty good like starter RPG, I think, to uh, to play because yeah. um, because like even the boss fights are not really all that difficult as long as you you know as long as you like level it up like appropriately enough. So right. um, and this is a pretty typical average forty hour G, uh, forty hour JRPG to go through uh, you know the time period. So um, but uh, um, anything else you want to mention about the game overall, Joe? Uh, like the positive or negative? Like before we move on. No, I think I pretty much covered all my points. Okay, all right. So, um, yeah. So, um, the game, like, so the game, like, the game got pretty good reviews, both, uh, uh, both at the time of release and also like currently. So, um, just taking like, um, so, so like, so we already, so we already, like, so we touched upon most of the, um, uh, you know, most of the uh, pros and cons of the game. That the same, that the same things the reviewers uh, touched upon also like as well too. Um, the game, the game was, um, the game was only mildly, uh, like the game was only modestly successful in North America, of course, because RPGs were still a very niche market back then. Uh, the game sold, um, the game sold, the, the game sold much better, like Japan. Um, however, um, however, Western magazine reviews of the game were mostly positive. I'll uh, just give you some examples. 
Uh, EGM gave it 40 out of 50. GameFormer gave it 9 out of 10. GameFan gave it 274 out of 300. GamePro gave it, Game Pro gave it 12.5 out of 20. Defeb Hour gave it 14.6 out of 20. And Electronic Games gave it 80 plus. So, uh, those are pretty high marks, like, overall. Um, and then, like, the, uh, like those good reviews, like, those, and those good reviews pretty much continued, uh, pretty much continued, like, the current day. The, uh, the current, the current day, a Metacritic, uh, uh, average score of this game is 79%. And that also yeah. takes into account modern reviews of the game as well as the contemporary ones. So, yeah, pretty good marks overall, I'd say. Um, so, um, um. But uh, yeah, so we already yes, yeah, so we already talked about most of the pros and cons. Uh, you know, um, the, uh, the, the, the same thing. The same thing that the same thing that the reviews mentioned mentioned upon. Uh, modern modern viewers are much more critical about the story and dialogue, which I totally agree with because you know it is a very cookie cutter story because right. things have you to be because things have what was amazing back then is not so um you know, not so amazing, <laughs> right. amazing these days because you know obviously things have gotten better since then, but. Yeah, and I feel like you have, I mean, yeah, you had a lot of options back then, but I feel like now, like, there are so many more options and diverse options than what you would have back then, too. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, um, you know, so, so, so GBA port of the game got slightly, you know, got slightly lesser marks uh, than the Super NES version of the game, obviously. But like I said, you know, um, you know, that's, that's, that, you know, it's pretty difficult. You know, you know, you know, that's that's pretty difficult. Um, pretty typical when you when you when you when you when you convert a console game like on the console game like a GPA. The Mickey Mouse games we looked at that we looked at a while ago, a while ago had the same issues. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, so obviously, obviously, this was the first game in the franchise. So, but the Fire Two would come out like a couple years later. Uh, this also, um, you know, this also inspired two officially two officially licensed Magnet releases in Japan as well too. Um, so, um. Um, and then the Japanese, the Japanese name of the game is very close to the, very close to the American game. Uh, in Japan, it was called, translated, Breath of Fire, the, Breath of Fire, the Dragon Warrior. Um, they just dropped the, you know, you know, you know, they, you know, they just dropped the, they, they just, they just dropped the sub subtitle of the game, like a chunk release. So, um, as you might expect as an RPG, there are a bunch of like bugs, glitches, uh, codes, etc. So, um, there's one way in the, there's one way in the game to be able to get, uh, a million gold help you out the start of the game, which is like pretty cool. Um, there, did you know about this, Joe? There's a hidden cameo of Chun Li in the game that you can also trigger. <laughs> I did not. Yep, you can see her twice in the game. Once during the game itself, uh, by doing like certain, uh, uh, you know, triggering, you know, um, you know, by triggering certain events in the game, uh, like in the town, you can see her like you know, practicing her lightning kick. Um, <laughs> and, um, awesome. and you can also. Um, um, and you can also see her, uh, 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 and, and you can also see her in the ending scene, you, uh, flavor of certain, like, skill equipped. So, hmm, okay. uh, the GBA version of the game also, uh, the GBA version of the game also features a cameo from Ryu, from Breath of Fire 2 in the ending as well, too. So, um, there's a way to be able to, so there's a way to be able to skip a boss fight, there's a way to be able to get an infinite battle loop, um, there's a way to be able to start the game, uh, so there's a way to be able to start the game at level 29 library characters. So um, those are the so those are the major the major uh, the major uh, cheat cheat codes and glitches the game has. But uh, so eBay being um, you know being you know being so being an RPG that's especially that um, you know it's done pretty um, you know it's you, you know it's pretty well today. I mean like rather far I may not have the same. Hitting power that the other franchises do, but, but like I said before, Breath of Fire does have a lot of nostalgia behind it still because a lot of people did play these games. Mm -hmm. So, and RPGs, especially in Super NES, hold their value very well. 
So this is so this is a pricier game than Super NES um, compared to many other titles, but it is show up to you know you know but at least you know, at least the release, especially in cart form, it is still like uh, attainable without breaking the bank. So there are about 48, 48 copies of this game listed currently on eBay at the time that the, the time you were researching for the podcast. 67, 67 copies sold recently. These are all from North America. These prices all include shipping. Uh, cart prices range anywhere from thirty dollars to ninety-one dollars, depending upon the quality of the cart and the label, uh, the label, uh, the label, and all that stuff. So expensive, but not that bad. So uh, CIB copies also varied wildly in price depending upon how complete. Uh, and or uh, and or good shape that they were in. Um, those are anywhere from one hundred seven dollars to two hundred and ninety two dollars. Yeah, I'm. I mean, so like, you know, I was looking at like literally two copies that sold yesterday. Um, you're looking at forty dollars. That's not bad for a Super NES RPG. Mm. If you're patient and can wait and get it for like forty bucks, I say totally go for it. Yes. Um, I, I don't think this is an RPG I'd spend like almost a hundred dollars for. Um mm-hmm. but complete in box, if you can get it for that one fifty mark, absolutely. That's actually, yeah. you know, especially as a collector. For an RPG, that's definitely doable. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um my overall my overall my overall summary of this game is like, you know, like recommending the game uh for an audience uh uh like in this day. Uh that depends. Um, if you have nostalgia for JRPGs and somehow miss this one back in the day, definitely play it. Um, if you um, uh, um, you, you even enjoy Breath of Fire games and somehow miss this one, by all means, play it. Um, if you're somebody who's never played a JRPG before, especially you know, especially a game with this, this is gonna be a hard sell, I think, because I think Breath of Fire Two does this thing so many uh, so much better. So mm. um, I can't really suggest the game unless you're actually like a um, you know, you you unless you have nostalgia for. JRPGs of this time period and or have played Breath of Fire games before in the past. It's kind of, because I think it's a very hard game to, to hard game to get to, to, to get invested in because of all the flaws and issues that this game has. If you don't um you you know play you don't have any experience or experience or or, or, or familiarity with the genre of this time period. I think but um I think Breath of Fire 2 is an overall better game on several levels. Uh, and would be a game that I uh, um, would be the game I would say if you want to play uh, uh, um, you want to play the early Breath of Fire game you know by all means by all means by uh, start of that one um, I've not played Breath of Fire three or four recently so I can't really know how those games hold up these days since 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 PlayStation titles uh, some PS titles are very rough these days others uh, others still hold up very well so um, you know you may also want to check those games out too as well yeah so I can't. I mean, I can't recommend Breath of Fire 2 because I've never played it. So what I'll say is um, check out Breath of Fire 3. It's definitely the best of the franchise. Um, But if you're looking for something a little older, um, this isn't that bad for an entry RPG for Capcom um, or for the franchise. Uh, No, I agree. That encounter rate is kind of rough. But, um, you know, I I did do some browsing. You can get a Game Genie code that kind of helps with that alleviation of uh the encounter rate or if you just want to go all out and just start at level 99 and go that way then mm-hmm. i guess your encounter rate really doesn't matter because you can have auto battle and it'll do its thing um so either way i would suggest you know at least being able to check this out um definitely look up like gameplay on youtube or even reviews um there's quite a few out there um that this, there are some passionate fans for this game for this franchise. Yes, there are. But the franchise um, also, yes, you know, yeah, yeah I so on that. Th- I like I couldn't finish this game, so of course I had to go to YouTube so that I could get at least some idea of 
how it was going to end and whatnot. And, um, I, I was met with quite a few videos. So you, you definitely have your pick of the litter. Um, mm-hmm. if you don't want to play it on the super Nintendo, like uh, George, uh, geez, Greg mentioned, <laughs> uh, you know, it is available on the GBA. Um, I'm going to have to play that because anything that lowers the encounter rate is right up my alley. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I, I suggest at least trying it. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, I, oh, I also I also should mention, I also like to mention, like, real quick, like, for European listeners, uh, this game, like many other games this time period, did not get released in Europe originally. Uh, Europe... Um, uh, Europe, Europe did not officially get a copy of this game. Uh, the copy of this game, like the GBA version, came out like many years later. So, uh, because many RPGs of this time period did not get, uh, um, you know, did not get, uh, you know, did not get released in the power market. So they really right. missed out as far as, um, as far as like those games went. But so I did want to mention that like a passing. But. That's because they had better uh, RPGs on like the ZX Spectrum and the, the computer like market was much bigger over there. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> but then you also had the problem. Um, yeah. So then you also had the problem like about having to translate. You translate a game for like several languages as well too. So right, right. Uh, you know, lim- you know, limited car sizes, that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, there's many reasons for that. But yep. So anyway, uh, yeah, fun to um, yeah, fun to go back this yeah, fun to, yeah, yeah, fun to go back this game, which I've not, which I haven't thought about the thought of played in like 20 years at this point. So um, you know, definitely you know, you, um, definitely like a nice um, you know, nice trip. So. Uh, thank you for the, um, you know, thank you for suggesting the game, uh, Joe, and uh, definitely if you start playing Breath of Fire two, let me know what you think of it. Yeah, will do. Um, but anyway, um, if you have any comments or questions or whatever, please feel free to check us out on Facebook, or you can also send me an email directly at the SNES Podcast at Yahoo uh, Joe, how, uh, how can they reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at J O E S U X three zero. I also have a very public Facebook that is not family friendly. Um, and I might as well promote radical retro roundup, which can be found on Facebook and anywhere you can find podcasts. We finally got the first episode up with George and I, and, uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Yes, glad to see it back because it's been like what two, three years since you last recorded an episode for that. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, as mentioned before, we are a proud member of the Geekade Network. Uh, there's a whole bunch of their uh, retro, retro themed podcasts, and also like uh, about gaming on gaming on there. So by all means, check it out. Uh, and, um, and, and as I mentioned before, the episodes, the episodes of this podcast not being hosted on Pinecast. So um, next up is our special 200th episode. Uh, and just like uh, just like the last time we hit a big milestone, the hundredth episode, we were we were once again doing a draft episode. So uh, we're still finalizing the we were, so we're finalizing the list of guests. I don't want to um, so I don't want to say anybody right now, uh, lest things change. But we have a pretty good lineup planned, including people who have been on the podcast podcast before, uh, and also people who have never been on the podcast before. So. Um, and Joe also we the first time doing it. They're doing a draft a draft episode because he was not here for he was not here for like the last one. So right. uh, sh- uh, you know should be fun. So um, check that out. That's coming up next. So um, as always, we appreciate your support. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, listening for giving us a, a, a time your a time out of your day. And we'll catch you again. And, and, and we'll catch all of you again next time. Stay safe. Be well. And uh, and uh, see you folks all like all again later. Bye. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game, or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Steampunk power.